Thank you, Lord. It's always good to be in in God's presence. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you want, if you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter six, we're going to start in Mark chapter six today, and verse forty-five. Mark chapter six, verse forty-five. Today we're going to be talking about our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God as we read it. Mark chapter 6, verse 45, it says, This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. As we read that scripture earlier in the offering. It says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake and he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified and immediately he spoke to them and said take courage it is i don't be afraid then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. You know, it's kind of a fascinating end to that that account with Jesus right there. Uh, I still remember uh, years and years ago, uh, we had a past. I was a servant under a pastor in in Austin, Texas, and uh, for couple of years at least I don't remember how many it was just over two years and uh, I only remember one sermon he ever preached it's probably the same for you (laughs) but here's the deal when you remember something I'm not telling you you should remember every sermon I'm just telling you like you know when God speaks to you sometimes you just hear something and it sticks out to you and you you just remember it and I, I think that's good And I still remember the only sermon I ever remember him saying was a message on this passage and another passage we're going to look at where it talked about, is your heart still hardened? And I'll I'll never forget that message. I'll never forget some of the things that were said in it and just the idea of it. And so this passage has jumped out to me again this week as I was as I was preparing. And uh, it started it started on uh, Wednesday. Okay, start on Wednesday at the movie theater. Okay, so we're going to the movies and just uh, taking the kids to go see The Grinch. Okay, and I did post about this, so if you're on social media and saw a little bit, you might know what I'm going to say. But uh, you know, I'm just minding my own business, watching The Grinch, just trying to take the kids to a fun cartoon. I read the online reviews that said, "Hey, this is actually pretty clean," and you know, that's that's uh, we're like hey we can maybe go to this movie <laughs> we can take the children um you know and take ourselves um and so 
going to see the movie, and man, there was just there was just a few things in that thing where at the end of the movie, I was I was basically in tears. And you're like, you were in tears at the Grinch? <laughs> yeah, can you believe it? Uh, I loved how they. First of all, this is free. This has nothing to do with this. But now I loved how they sang through like a whole verse or two of God rest you, merry gentlemen, in the middle of the movie. I mean, there's not many times where you hear, you know, a Christmas movie in Hollywood and they actually mention the Christ being born and, you know, being freed from Satan's power. And I mean, all the verses there are very, very strong uh, in, in that in those old Christmas carols. And so they weren't just singing jingle bells and you know, whatever, Rudolph the Rando's reindeer and stuff, and they did have some of that too, but whatever, uh, Santa Claus and all that. But there was, there was the gospel being sung on the screen. I love that. It doesn't matter. God will use anything. I mean, you, you never know. There might be some little kid who's there watching that who's never heard that Christmas song, and he just hears those words, and, you know, just something stir- awakens in his heart. There might be a, just a, a door that opens in him, and God uses that to, to stir his heart to be drawn to him. We, we never know. And so it's, I always rejoice whenever the gospel is out there somewhere. It might even be in the wrong way, in the wrong person. I mean, that's what Paul says. He says, hey, if, even if someone's doing it with wrong motives... I rejoice that Christ is being preached, that the good news is being preached. So even all those TV preachers, whether you agree with them or not, I'm saying they're, they're all bad. I'm not saying they're all bad or all good. I'm just saying if you got one, man, all right, all right. hey, is the gospel getting out? Then even if the messenger is messed up, the good news is going to get out. And Jesus the, himself is going to use that. The Holy Spirit is going to take the gospel and, and use it to touch someone's life. Back to the Grinch. So, you know, as we were... You missed the first part, babe. <laughs> that happens when you're taking kids out. Uh, so, so you, you know, at the end of the movie, man, I was just so moved. I mean, just little tears. I'm not like weeping. I'm just, you know, tears are there. Uh, you know, most everybody else is, you know, laughing or whatever. But, you know, and the Grinch says one line. It's not in the book, the original book or whatever. Uh, I don't think. And the Grinch says this to the mother of Cindy Lou. Your daughter's kindness changed my heart. You know, the whole story of the Grinch is actually a pretty good, good story. It's about someone who's full of hatred and, and who gets changed because they try to destroy Christmas, and yet still the people are full of joy, even after they lose all their stuff. I mean, what, that's, that's called the gospel right there, where you're full of joy when you have nothing. And when everything is taken from them, they still say, you know what, we're going to sing. We're going to be full of joy. We're going to love one another. And that... It says at that moment that the Grinch's heart grew three sizes bigger. That there was a transformation in his heart. And he says later, it was because of the kindness of this young girl who was kind to him, even though he was unkind to her. And so, that being said, sometimes our hearts are just like the disciples in this passage. They get hard. I mean, that's what the Grinch had. Was the Grinch had a hard heart. Bad stuff happened to him. Whether well, that wasn't in the original Dr. Seuss, but they throw in you know, the backstory of rejection and, you know, aloneness and all the reasons. You know, there's always a reason why someone's heart is hard. There's always a reason why your heart gets closed to the Lord or to someone else. You know, it doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. It's, it doesn't usually happen, you know, super quickly. It's something that can happen over time. You know, your heart doesn't close in an instant usually. It just slowly slowly closes up until it's hard. And it says here the disciples 
uh, at the end of Mark 6, they had not understood about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Which is a fascinating thing for Jesus to say after they're scared because he's walking on the water. But he's just saying, basically, their hearts are still not open. They don't get what's going on. They don't understand or perceive it. So I want you to flip over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And what happens in Mark chapter 8 is this. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. This time, he took seven loaves. And he fed two or 4,000 people, plus women and children. And the same thing happens. You know, the disciples pass it out. They're all amazed again. We don't know how long this was. I mean, it's probably not two days left. Like, we read the chapters like six, day one, seven, day two, eight, day three. You know, it may have been a few months later. You know, don't you get on the disciples sometimes? Because you're like, you know, Jesus says, hey, guess what? Where should we get all the food for these people? And the disciples be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> And we're like looking at the story. And two chapters ago, Jesus just fed 5,000. Don't you remember that? You know, it may have been a longer bit of time. There's some stuff that happened. There's some life that was going on. But the disciples, they still don't get it. And so Jesus, it happens again. He does the miracle again. He, he, he feeds 4,000 people with just a little bit of food. And says there was leftovers too. And it says in... 8 and verse 14, it says the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So this is after that. It may not even be right after that. Uh, actually, no, it is right after that. Excuse me. This one is right after. They, they got in the boat and left and the disciples forgot to bring bread, uh, which is interesting because they just had a whole gang load of bread, <laughs> right? I mean, they had seven baskets of bread left over. And so maybe because they're so full, like we don't need that. Uh, or they were thinking, you know what, Jesus can just do anything he wants, so we don't even need to bring food anymore. Uh, we don't know why. They forgot to bring food, bread. And Jesus said, be careful and watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And so then they discussed among themselves with one another and said, it's because we didn't bring bread. So Jesus is aware of their discussion, whether it's because he can hear him in the other side of the boat or he just spiritually perceives it. And he says, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And they answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? So after all this, it says their hearts were still hardened to understanding. You know, have you ever gone through a season in your life where you're thinking, man, I just feel like I just, I don't ever know what God's doing. I don't know what's going on. I'm not understanding it. It might be good to have a heart checkup. 
It might be good to say, is my heart hardened? Is there something in there where, you know, where I am closed off to what God is doing? It's like, man, I can't, I can't recognize what God's doing. I feel like I can't hear Him. It seems like He's left me. And so your heart may be just like the disciples here. And I love that Jesus isn't scolding them, but He is questioning them. He's not berating them and beating them or condemning them, but He is saying, look, you have to deal with this part of your heart. You have to deal with what's going on inside of you. If not, you're going to completely miss what's going on. It's interesting that he keeps pointing them back to understanding what happened with the loaves. I mean, there's something, you know, this is the the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle in the New Testament that appears in all four Gospels. The only one. There's no other miracle that appears in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four books of, the, of those four books of the Bible have the account of the feeding of the 5,000. To me, that's a clue. If God said, hey, this is the only miracle, besides the resurrection, okay, obviously, excuse me, besides the resurrection, <laughs> besides the resurrection, the only miracle that Jesus does while he's still living, before he dies, is the feeding of the 5,000 that shows up. It tells me there's a whole lot in that parable more than just Jesus wanted people to have food. It tells me there's some understanding that needs to happen about the loaves and the fishes. And I'm not even going to go into all that today because I don't know for sure. I know a few things, but I know that if my heart is hard, even if Jesus does a miracle right in front of me, I might still miss it. I mean, wouldn't that be a sad thing if you're if I'm going through life Missing out and God's doing stuff right in front of me. That, that Jesus is doing things right in front of me and because of the condition of my heart, I'm not able to perceive or understand it. All I'm thinking about is, oh, I didn't, I gotta go to the store and buy some bread because we won't have sandwiches this week. You know, we, our minds are on things that, that aren't as important. They, you know, we need to go to the store and get food. We need to do what our wife tells us to do and <laughs> all those things, right? Uh, <laughs> We need to remember things, right? Men, we, why do men forget things? I don't know, but we do, okay? I, I don't know. I mean, and notice the disciples, guess what? How many of them are women? Right here, zero, <laughs> okay? And, you know, right away they're like, oh, I knew it, I forgot something. I mean, isn't that your reaction too when your wife gives you that look? You come in and you're like, oh, I forgot something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Was it big or little? So, uh, for those of you young men in here, like, work on your memory right now. Just, just pray over your brain. Say, God, make me not normal like a man. Let me remember things. Okay? And so, the point is, they were missing it because of the condition of their hearts. You know, in Proverbs, uh, 4 and verse 23, if we can shoot that one on the screen there, Coop. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If you go to the more literal translation, it says, For out of it flows the wellspring of life, or the spring of life. So in other words, above all else, guard your heart. Leave that up there for a second, Cooper. Um, above all else. I mean, it's interesting that that proverb is pretty specific. Above all, hey, this is one of the highest priorities you can have in your life is to guard what's going on in your heart. 
Protect your heart from things. What is your heart? Man, that's your, that's your innermost being. That's your innermost self. That's your, that's your desires and your will. That's your, it is, that does include your emotions and your passion and, you know, because if you don't have anything in your heart, then you'll live a heartless life with no, no life coming from it. There'll be no spring of life coming from your, from yourself. So why does our heart get hard? Why, why, does it, why does it get hard? Why do, we, why do we have things happen? Well, there's several reasons that, that our hearts get hard. Number one is pride. Number one is pride. In, in Daniel 5 and verse 20, it talks about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and it says because uh, of his pride, his heart was hardened, and then God you know, had to send him away and take away his kingdom. Uh, if you're not familiar with that story, he was a great ruler and then God made him live as an animal for like seven years. And then he came back and got restored after he acknowledged, no, you are the one true God. But it says he got in that place because a pride hardened his heart. It says the same thing for Pharaoh in the Old Testament it's over and over again. Pharaoh hardened his heart against the people of God and the Israelites. And so, man, his hard heart carried him all the way to do some really stupid and foolish things. He stood against God so strongly that his whole nation was ravaged and destroyed because of it. You know, here's the deal. We hear the word pride and we think of like being puffed up, being like, you know, uh, all into yourself, being full of yourself. But here's the deal. Pride looks like this. Everything is about me. You know, we may not be one of the ones that are like, I'm not always bragging on myself. I'm not ta- telling everybody how good I am or this or that or talking all this. But if everything in your life, if everything comes back to just, it's all about me. Guess what? That's pride. Because you have put yourself at the center of your universe. It can even be in the other way where you go, oh, woe is me. I'm really not doing that great. I'm, oh, it's all really bad for me. What? You know, it's not, I'm not puffed up, man. I'm really low. I'm really bad. All things are, it's still, guess what? I'm pointing to everything being about me. Here's the deal. I'm, it's depressing to look at me all the time. It's depressing. If you, if you focus your whole life on yourself, you know what? You're messed up. I'm messed up too. And that can, that can be something where you say, that is not fun to look at. That is not fun to focus on. That is not fulfilling. That does not give you the wellspring of life to focus on yourself and be focused on all your problems and all your issues and all the things that are happening or aren't happening in your life. That if you're focused on you, guess what? Your heart's going to get hard because you're full of pride. You have placed yourself at the center of the universe. And you need to Repent. Because the universe is not about you. The universe wasn't created for your glory. The universe wasn't created for your, for your benefit. The universe was created for God's glory. So he could share his life with everybody else. And it's when we surrender to that plan, when we say, I surrender all to Jesus, when we are saying, okay, God, it's not going to be about me anymore. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set my gaze upon you. I'm going to find my fulfillment in you. Guess what? We find out, hey, we actually get fulfilled. We actually get full of stuff. We actually get filled with good things. We actually do amazing things. We actually are changed into amazing people. Things start to change 
when my eyes are off of me because I am not hardening my heart. I'm not placing all of my trust, all of my life, all of my energy, all of my passion towards satisfying me. Pursuing self-satisfaction is a sure way to live a life of misery. But there's another way our hearts get hard. It's in Matthew 24. If you want to turn there, Matthew 24, verse 9. This is when Jesus is talking about the end times. So if you're into the end times, here it is. Jesus, Jesus, right here talking about what's going to happen at the end. And he says this. This is God's promise to to you. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, or many actually there, the love of many will grow cold. But, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I want us to focus in there on verse 12. There's a whole lot of things that are going on there that we're not going to look at today. But verse 12 says this, because of the increase of wickedness or because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. The word love there is the word agape. You know, there's four words uh, for love in the New Testament. There's agape, which is kind of like God's love, the unconditional love. There's also other loves that talk about just like your love and your family, familial love or brother-to-brother love, uh, you know, or like passionate, romantic, sexual love, passion and desire in that, in that way. But this one specifically says the love of many will grow cold. It's, it's the word agape. And the only ones who have agape love in their hearts are believers in Jesus Christ. You can't have the love of God in your heart if you don't know Him. It's when you know, when you know love that then you can have love and give love that's unconditional, that's truly heaven's love. And it says that kind of love, because of the increase of wickedness, because of the increase of lawlessness, will grow cold in many. You know what? We're in that time right now. I don't know if this is like the end times, if Jesus is coming back next week or if he's coming back in 10 years or 20 years or another 100 years. Feels like we're getting closer. And I think it's imminent that Jesus could come back at any time. But here's the deal. There is an increase in lawlessness. There's an increase of all kinds of junk. There's an increase of evil. And we cannot allow that to allow our love to grow cold. Because the only answer... For our world is the love of Jesus. The agape love of God. And the temptation is this. When it's all dark around us, we just close up shop. Say, you know what? It's pretty, pretty rough out there. Let's just, let's just be safe. Let's just be safe. We're not going to step out. I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to expose myself because it's a, it's a crazy world. It's an evil world. Something might happen to me. And here's the deal. Something might happen to you.
But if you're doing it in the love of God, if you're full of the agape love of God, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to bear fruit for eternity. There's something good that's going to ha- come from it. God's going to use that to, to light the darkness in the world. And so that's the second reason that our hearts get hard. Now, number three is probably the one that happens most, most of all and most all of us. And that is this, personal pain. Personal pain in your life will cause your heart to become hard. And look, it's not intentional. It's not because you're, uh, it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because, uh, you're just, I'm just not a spiritual person. I just don't like Jesus or this or that. It's just, it's just, it's just because of hurt. It's just because people do things to you and they do it so many times over and over and over and over again that you get to the point where you just say, Just for my safety, I'm closing myself off. I can't take the pain anymore. And I think in many ways, you know, in Isaiah 61, which we just were in for a long time, it says that uh, Jesus says he's anointed and he has anointed his people to heal the brokenhearted. You know, a lot of times a hard heart is simply just a broken heart that's crusted over. It's bled so much, it's got so much junk on it that it's just it's just hardened from the pain. It's just hardened from the hurt. It's hardened from the things that have happened in a life. And that heart, what it needs, it needs to be healed. It needs healing. It needs to have life again. It needs to have hope again. It needs to have joy again. It needs to feel love again. It needs to experience goodness again. It needs to have something different than it's experienced. It needs to experience trust again. Somebody who is living a trustworthy life, who is loving them over and over again. You know, watching a silly movie. God, it's a silly movie. I mean, it's just Dr. Seuss is silly. But it's a real truth. That my kindness could change someone else's heart. You know, Jesus said, don't you remember? You know, one of the ways I think that we we get our hearts to start thawing out if they're ice cold is we start remembering. Jesus pointed them back. He pointed the disciples back, says, hey, don't you remember what just happened? Remember about the loaves. Remember about the loaves. Remember the loaves. What happened when the loaves got in my hands? And we have to do the same thing as in our lives. Because every single one of us, if we become a child of God, if we're a believer in Jesus, if we've given our heart to Him, there's something good that's happened in our life. And we have to remember to go back to that time. Okay, I need to remember the loaves in my life. Where are the times in your life where you saw the hand of God? Where are the times in your life where you've experienced a miracle? Where are the times when God was there and there was nobody else? Where are the times when you saw provision come from nowhere and it was, it was just it had to be a God thing? Remember those things. If you find your heart becoming hard, you need to go back to the loaves. Jesus is going to point to you and say, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember what I've done? This is where Thanksgiving comes in because we got to Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving weekend. Just a little bit here. You know, when we give thanks, basically giving thanks is always looking back. 
to what God has done. Hey, I'm giving thanks for what I already have been given. I'm, I'm giving thanks for wh- what he did. Uh, you know, and so it's a good idea to do this not just one weekend a year. <laughs> it's really good idea to check up on it, you know, January 17th, you know, April 12th, uh, you know, August 30th. 30th. <laughs> Is there a 31st in August? I don't remember. I almost checked myself there. Uh, Because when you've got a hard heart, you miss what God's doing. When you have a hard heart, you have no life. You know, everything, everything good will come when your heart connected with God's heart begins to produce something. Begins to have the water flow. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for from it spring the, is the wellspring of life. There, there is a well inside of every single person that can be ignited when your heart is connected with the heart of Jesus, where you'll begin to see things like you've never seen them before. But you can't see them if you've got a hard heart. It's never going to happen. You're always going to be like the disciples going, hey, we didn't bring bread. <laughs> What? And Jesus, what? <laughs> How did you get that from, from where we are? We're, we're not even talking about bread right now. You know, he was talking about something totally different. He was talking about the leaven and all that, the yeast of the Pharisees. And so, you know, he's like, we're always going to be off track. It's like God's going to bring something up and we're going to be like, oh, we're over here. And he just wants to come in. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know if your heart is just, it's just because like, hey, life has happened and there's just a bunch of junk going on in my life, and I've just kind of closed myself off. And maybe just, man, I've been so hurt that I'm just, I've just got a bunch of scabs here. I, my heart's hard with scab wounds, you know. It's just, it's just crusty. Uh, it may just be, hey, it's all about me. It's all about me. But I believe one of the things God wants to do before we go today is, is to just touch our hearts. Just pour some, pour some spiritual oil on our hearts to say, okay, we need your heart to live again. We need, we need it to beat again. We need something to, to be ignited again in your heart, to, to see life happen again, to see there be a flow of, of, of joy, of hope, of faith again. That spot right there is a good feedback spot. So I want us to stand. If you want to, want to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit right now to speak to you. Point out to you if there's anything in, in your heart that needs to be taken care of this morning. Lord, we just ask right now that you would reveal to us anything. This is not you looking for, for something bad. We're not trying to dig something up. We're just trying to see if, if God says, hey, this is what's going on. God's just going to turn on the light right now. Turn on the light, Holy Spirit. Turn on the light of every heart. I speak to every heart right now and I say, wake up. Wake up, heart. Wake up. Wake up. Lord, we just pray right now that everybody whose heart, Lord, just healing, just be released right now. Holy Spirit, release the healing balm of Jesus right now. 
upon every single heart that has been wounded. God, we just thank you right now for going in with your gentle hands and beginning to heal right now in the name of Jesus. It may not be a one-time thing. It may be uh, a, a little bit of surgery here that needs to happen. But we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, begin that process right now of healing hearts, Lord, so that we can have hearts that beat again, so that we can have spiritual hearts that are responsive to you, that we can know what you're doing, we can know what's going on, we can step out because we can live without fear, because uh, perfect love casts out fear, God, and we thank you for that, for releasing your love and your anointing right now in every single heart. God, anybody who needs to repent, God, we just thank you for shining the light. We say, Lord, we repent for making life all about us. Lord, I repent for making life so much about me that I'm so focused on my own satisfaction, my own issues, my own dreams, my own this or that. It's so much about me, God. We, I just lay that down at the altar this morning. Lord, we don't want to have a hard heart because of pride. Lord, move among us. Lord, may, be, may we be the kind of people that with, with one word, with one act of kindness, Lord, we can soften some hearts. Lord, we can see hearts changed where we can have people say that your kindness changed my heart. Your, 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 your love did something in me because you, you called me, because you were there for me, because you listened to me, because you took time with me, because you were praying for me. My heart has changed. Lord, some of us need to just have our hearts enlarged, God. We, we've kind of shrunk down. We're, we've got a, we've, 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 because of disappointment, Lord, that we have shrunk down our hearts to where we're not believing anymore. We're not going for the, we're not going for all that you have for us anymore. And so right now, Lord, we just ask that there would be faith stirred in every heart, encouragement, there would be hope that would, that would come alive again in hearts to hope for things, Lord. The assurance of things hoped for, Lord. Faith to rise up. That there be assurance, Lord. That we believe for things again. That we go for things again. Lord, that we step out and take a risk again. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for for touching our hearts. Change our hearts, O God. Make it ever new. Change my heart, O God. May it be like you. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me. Willing today. Thank you, Lord, for touching hearts today, Lord. Spiritual hearts, Lord, we just thank you for life. We thank you, Jesus, that you're patient. Lord, just as you were patient with these disciples, Lord, that you're patient with us, Lord, even when we don't get it over and over again, Lord. Thank you that you're patient to continue to point us to truth, to continue to, to, to reveal yourself to us since you are the truth, God, that you would show us over and over again your kindness and your goodness. Lord, we know it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for every heart here, Lord, being open to you. God, and even, Lord, it may not have been in this moment, but there's a time this week or there's a time when we get with you, Lord, where you're going to show us things. And you're going to do some some spiritual heart surgery. God, some of us need just a heart transplant. Some of us just might need uh, something that stopped up, begin to be open, Lord. Spiritual angioplasty, God. We just just pray that you would open up our hearts to, to beat the same way that your heart beats. To have our hearts move with the things that move your heart. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed if you still need prayer. Come find somebody and we'll pray for you. And uh, we will have Wednesday night. We will have our regular Wednesday gathering this week. So Wednesday night will be going on this week.